Hi, I'm Renee Evans, co-senior leader of Bethel Austin. Make sure that you like and subscribe to our weekly sermons so that you don't miss what is happening here at Bethel Austin. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. And most of all, we pray that you would have an encounter with the living God today. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Is anyone happy? Is anyone really happy? Thank you, Jesus. Oh, I love Jesus. I love his presence. I love the kingdom. I love worship. I just love getting undone. Undone in his goodness. Being reminded of what he's done for us, who he is in us. Who's the most excited person about Jesus in the room? good. I just like to know I'm not alone. <laughs> oh, thank you, Jesus. I, uh, <coughs> I, had, I shouted at, during offering uh, just down in the front row. I just, the team looked at me and started laughing at me because I was, I was actually wrestling in my head. I'm like, I don't know what to do. Everywhere that, everywhere that wor- uh, service is gone, what happened in worship tonight, and, and I've got this kind of uh, I got this this message. I don't know if it fits. And uh, and and Eddie was talking about offering being an extension of worship. And I just felt like the Lord's like, don't you think my word is an extension of worship? <laughs> so oh, I got blasted. So we're going to jump into the word. <clears throat> is that uh, is that all right with you? Uh, come on. Thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> we're going to. Uh, you could put a mark, a mark in uh, Mark chapter nine, and uh, we're going to be there in a second. But um, how many people know that discernment is so key for the season that we're in right now? And that how many people know that the church, the body of Christ, you are called to be the head and not the tail. That we're called to be leading in society in this season and in this hour. That, that, that by God's design, he wants the world looking to the church for direction and for peace and, uh, and for breakthrough. And if we're called to be the head and not the tail, discernment is part of what gives us the capacity and the ability to step into that, that seat of peace, which then releases authority. You know... There's a story in the Bible of Jesus in, in the boat with the disciples, and they get caught in a storm, and Jesus is asleep in the boat, and the disciples are freaking out as the storm comes, and it says that the waves are breaking over the boat, and they were afraid they were going to die, and Jesus is still asleep, and then they wake him up, and, and, and he calms the storm. He's like frustrated with them. What's wrong with you guys? Why are you waking me up? What's implied is like, why haven't you learned how to take care of this yet? And then he calms the storm, and everything's all right. How many people know that Jesus was able to calm the storm because of what he was aware of, where he was anchored on the inside? And he was able to pull where he was anchored into the present and release that authority into the moment. How many people know that the disciples in that moment weren't lending strength to the situation? 
And they're running around, freaking out, yelling, pointing at the storm, how big the waves are. They're screaming. How many people know they're not positive contributors at that moment? <laughs> and sometimes I think that's how the world looks at the church right now. And there's so much craziness going on in the world right now. Yes, there's, there's storms and there's tempests and there's wind and they're crashing over the boat. But listen, we're not supposed to be the reflection of craziness. We're supposed to be the reflection of Jesus. <laughs> the ones who know how to, how to stand up in the storm and release the peace that we're anchored in. And to see the situation and the circumstances changed. Thank you, Jesus. It's, it's the promise of God to Christians. The promise isn't that you won't have storms. The promise is that you know how to calm them. Okay. The promise is not that you won't have storms, but you will know how to calm them. And not that you won't have trials, but you have power to overcome them. And the reality of those two differences is a sign of spiritual maturity. And some people, you know, the Bible talks about the seeds that are uh, sown. And some of the soil is good, but some of it is stony and some of it gets choked out by, by, um, by thorns. Immature believers, when trials come... They get confused, and they get upset, and even sometimes bitter, and they're like, God, I gave my heart to you. I thought all my trials were going to go away. <laughs> and God said, oh, oh, no, your trials weren't going to go away. I'm just giving you power to overcome the trials because it's in the power to overcome that you become a witness. <laughs> That's when the world goes, well, how did you just do that? <clears throat> I need what you have. And then you can say, oh, come here. Let me introduce you to the one who helps me to overcome. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, Christians have become increasingly good at pointing out the storm. <laughs> thank you, Jesus. I'm just going to keep going, and I'm just going to believe that you're with me, and Listen, we've become increasingly good at pointing out the storm, but everyone can see the storm. The world isn't confused that there's a storm. And we don't need to describe this, the storm and go into the detail about the storm and argue about the storm and how big the waves are and where they came from. They come from the east or the west or like, no, that's not the benefit of the church to the world. The church is supposed to reach in to the reality of heaven and be the solution for the storms. We need discernment in the body of Christ in this season like never before. We need discernment. Come on. We need discernment in this house like never before. If we're going to go where God's calling us to go, discernment is so key for where he's taking us. Just put your hands out in front of you, even as we go on. Just tell God right now, God, I just receive, by your grace, an upgrade of discernment in Jesus' name. Thank you. Thank you, Father. 
Discernment is increasing. It needs to increase. I'll put it that way. Because in the West, we like to be tickled by truth, but not tested by it. We like to accept truth on its surface value before exploring its depths. In this day and age, truth can come in nuggets. It come it come in nuggets, but it's sand, not rock. And we take little pieces of truth here and there, but they're, but they're glued together with things that aren't in alignment with the kingdom. How many people know all together? That isn't really truth. Perversion is a twisted version of something that started true. And there's so many half-truths and partial truths out there floating around the world right now. And something comes and like, oh, that feels true. And you just jump on that bandwagon. Thank you, Jesus. But it's not, it's not getting on the bandwagon. It's where it's taking you. And not all, not all of these partial truths are taking us into kingdom empowerment and reality. They're not, if it's not taking you a, to a place where you can sleep in the storm, then it's not heaven's bandwagon. Thank you, Jesus. So we're going to talk about some keys for growing in our discernment tonight. Heavenly discernment gives us the ability to be aligned with heaven. And and in this alignment with God, all things are possible. So a discernment. It it gives us the ability to be tuned in or aligned with heaven. And in that place is where we step in to all things are possible. And when you know you're in alignment is when you can sleep in the boat. Because you know that you have God with you. And that when you wake up, the storm has to obey. Discernment brings alignment. Keys for growing in discernment. We're going to talk about keys, the Word of God. Open to Mark 9. I told you we were going there. Here we are. We're going to start right from the beginning. I've actually been reading out of Mark 9 quite a bit. God's just been having me feast in this chapter, and I've, there's been so many different things that he's pulling out, and I love each and every one of them. This one is unique, and this one, something God just, just recently spoke to me. Mark 9, starting at the beginning. And he said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that there are some standing here who will not taste death till they see the kingdom of God present with power. Now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up on a high mountain apart by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. His clothes became shining, exceedingly white like snow, such as no launder on earth can whiten them. And Elijah appeared to them with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here, and let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, because he did not know what to say, for they were greatly afraid. And a cloud came and overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son, hear him. It goes on, it's powerful 
How many people have, have heard this story before, read this story before? <clears throat> I've read this story hundreds of times before. And I love this story, and God has brought so much out of this. But I, but I literally never saw this particular thing before. I always, we always love to, to, to rib Peter, right? Because we can identify, like, Peter's always sticking his foot in his mouth, right? Peter's like, oh, I don't know what to say, so let me say something. Let's build three tabernacles, like, should that, that'll do, right? And it literally says, because he's afraid, he doesn't know what else to say. So he says something. Peter's the guy, he's just, I'm going to talk first and think second. <clears throat> But, but this is what God recently spoke to me. He's, he said Peter fumbled out what was actually in his heart because what happened is Peter ex- was experiencing the glory of God. He was experiencing the heavenly realm. The heaven opened up and Peter's heart desire was that it wouldn't leave. How, listen, this is, this is what his heart was trying to say. How do I get you to stay? How do I not lose this moment? And, and he said, uh, if I build three tabernacles, three dwellings for you, maybe you'll stay. That's what he was communicating. He just was, that wasn't the right answer. His heart was asking, how do I get you to stay? The very next verse, God breaks in and speaks. Here's what's interesting. God was actually answering the question of his heart. Listen to what God says. Peter answered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, it's good for us to be here. Let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Because he did not know what to say, for they were greatly afraid. And a cloud came and overshadowed them. And the voice out of the cloud saying, this is my beloved son, hear him. Hear him. Listen, this is what God is just speaking to me. He said, if you want a habitation, it starts with listening. Peter's like, oh, this is, I'm experiencing the glory. How do I get it to never stop? How do I get you to stay? What do I do? And God's like, just listen. Listen. Spend time waiting on God. Romans 10, 17, so then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Say that with me. Faith comes by hearing. Faith, say, so faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. What it, what it doesn't say is that faith comes by the word of God, which it's, that, it's not saying that isn't true, but this verse doesn't say that. It says that faith comes by hearing, and our ability to hear comes from the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing, and our ability to hear comes from the Word of God. Listen, God is asking us to to dive into the Word like never before. Because the Word of God attunes your ears. It gives you the ability to hear it, it tunes your spiritual ears to hear God. And if you want a habitation, where does it start? With hearing, with listening.
This is my beloved son. Hear him. Faith comes by hearing. Listen, it's actually two different Greek words. In Mark 9, it's, it, is, it is actually the word um, listen. And in, and in <clears throat> Romans, it is the word hear. Like physically, the ability to hear. But in Mark 9, it's actually the word to listen. As in, I'm actually leaning in to what you're saying because I want to understand and obey. How many times have, have your kids heard you? They just didn't listen. There's a difference. God's calling us to lean in and listen. Those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. But listen, waiting isn't just being still. Waiting is listening. Is that true? We have to learn how to come with attuned ears. And how do our ears get attuned? By diving into the Word of God. The word sharpens our ability to hear and to discern. That when we learn to wait, it's not just being still. How many people know that you can be still on the outside, but you're busy on the inside? We can wait and not hear because we were busy. But when you become mature in the Lord, how many people know that you can be busy and still be still on the inside? You can be going about your day. You can be in the midst of uh, of busyness, chaos. You can be in the midst of a storm, but yet on the inside, you're like Jesus, just resting in the Father's goodness and hearing what he's saying and discerning what the moment needs. Thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> the key, the key to stepping into that peace. Jesus, how many people know that when Jesus got up from his nap, he lent strength to the situation? Like ultimate version of lending strength to the situation. He gets up from sleeping and just says, Storm, be still. Peace. <sighs> the whole thing stops. Thank you, Jesus. The key is is our inner world. We really need discernment to weather the storms of this season. We need to have the ability to have strength to be able to bring strength. Our inner world is the key. Our ability to listen in the Word of God prunes and tends our inner garden. That Jesus, you've heard me teach this before, that, that God in the beginning, he created the earth, and then he created a garden on the earth, and the garden's called Eden. The garden means pleasure or delight. And in Genesis, it says that God created man and put him in the garden to tend and to keep it. Meaning that God's job, I mean, man's job, excuse me, is actually to tend and to keep what grows up out of the pleasure or delight of God. 
what comes up out of the pleasure of God. How many people know that Eden is a type and shadow of eternity? And it says that God has put eternity in the hearts of men. That we actually have, but by the Holy Spirit, God has put, put the garden of eternity into our hearts. And our job is to tend and to keep that garden that is inside of us. And the more beautiful our garden is inside, the more powerful, the more power we exude outside. That was, that was a good word right there. <laughs> But, but weeds and things that aren't supposed to be there, that they distract and detract us from our ability to hear or to be tuned in to what God is saying. The Word of God prunes and tends our inner garden. In Matthew 7, it says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit. But a bad tree bears bad fruit, and a good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown in the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. You will know a tree by its fruit. If it's good fruit, it's a good tree. Simple concept, right? The only problem is you can't discern a bad tree if you've never tasted good fruit. You have to know what good fruit is supposed to be so that you know what you're looking at. The Word of God is the good fruit. The Word of God releases the fruits of the Spirit into you. When you've tasted the most wonderful, juicy piece of fruit that is available, then you know by comparison what you're looking at. If you've never tasted anything good, you're like, I, I don't know, maybe this is good. Doesn't that feel like what the, what the church has been doing in this season? What belief? I got really quiet. Listen, on social media, <laughs> online, people are like, oh, yeah, I think this is good. Really? Based on what? Compared to what? Weighed against what? <laughs> Weeds in our garden distort, distort our ability to, to discern clearly. There's the this story of Joseph Smith, the founder of um, Mormonism, which is a distorted version. It's a it's a, a perverted version of Christianity. It really is. It just is. And but here's the story of Joseph Smith. As a young man, he had a genuine encounter with an angel from God, like from heaven, third heaven. Same God you and I serve. He had, a, he had an encounter with God. An angel visited him and empowered him to go preach the gospel. He was young. I forget, like 16. And he started going all through the countryside preaching the gospel and actually having good fruit amongst the people, the villagers. But because of his age and his lack of education and his background, none of the church leadership accepted him. They rejected him. 
And after a period of time of preaching, he got really discouraged and was on the verge of giving up, and God sent another angel to him and encouraged him, genuine angel encounter, and said, keep preaching the gospel. You're doing my will. You're bearing fruit. So he got the courage again, and he got up, and he kept preaching and, and all through the towns and cities and villages and having fruit, but none of the church leaders would accept him. The pastors said his calling was illegitimate. And what happened is weeds of bitterness started to grow up, come up in his garden. Instead of them getting, getting pruned out, they grew up, and then, then he had a third encounter. And this, this is out of his own journal. I've read it. You can read the writings out of his own journal. He describes the purity that came off the first two angels the holiness that came off of them. But then, out, out of this garden of bitterness, he had a third encounter, and he says, this angel somehow is different. It had a darkness about it. Something was distorted, and he knew, but because of the bitterness, he no longer had the ability to discern. And this angel said, I know how to help you get around all of those naysayers, and we're going to show them, and led him and started taking him on all the deceptive paths that became the Mormon church. And he knew it. He describes it in his journal that there was something different and dark about that angel. The word of God tends our garden. Romans 4.12, for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Thank you, Jesus. Listen, the, when, you get, when you get in the word, when you, it, when you ingest the word, when you feast on the word, when it gets in you, you get an awareness. You're abiding in the good fruit. Someone say good fruit. The fruit of God's spirit. And then when the counterfeit comes, you can tell. You know, Pastor Bill Johnson, pastor of, of Bethel Reading, he tells a story all the time that, that those who are employed to spot counterfeit currency, they learned over the years of doing this that it's less effective to study counterfeit bills because they change all the time. They're different. It's more effective to study the authentic just over and over and over and over and over again. They just study the authentic because when they see a counterfeit, something's not right. And the first, the first inclination isn't even, I know exactly what's not right. It's just I'm so familiar with the authentic, something's off here. And then through further examination, they'll find it, but it's that initial instinct of this isn't the original. This isn't authentic. But how do you get to that place? Because you're buried in the authentic. You're covered in the good fruit. You're in the word. Thank you, Jesus.
Discernment gives you the ability to weigh information. I'm going to end. I'm going to end after this. Romans 12.2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove. Somebody say prove. What is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God? Again, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How does that happen? In the word of God. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, I don't know about you, but what it, when it talks about the will of God, it says that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I don't really understand what he's talking about. What is the difference between good and perfect and acceptable when it comes to the will of God? Isn't it all good and perfect and acceptable? But when, you, but when you open it up, when you really look into it, in the Greek, the word that you may prove, the word prove is actually to test something, to weigh it, to see if it passes mustard. The, the implication is, is that it's approved, but because you first tested it, meaning that it has the option to be rejected because it's not the authentic. I'm just going to preach myself happy tonight. Listen, this is getting in my spirit right now. I'm being strengthened by might in the inner man right now. I can feel it. I'm coming out of here tonight stronger. Anybody with me? <clears throat> that it, that it's, it's been approved because it's been tested. Our, our discernment gives us the ability to test the information flow that's coming our way. Even if we don't know, even if I can't write a, 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 a synopsis on what's all wrong with it, it's that, it's that in initial instinct reaction of like, that's not the authentic. I could feel it. Something's off. Proving means test, testing that it can be approved. What is that good? That word good there isn't good as like something tastes good. It's not good as just between you did a good act for someone else. It means inherently good. Something that is good by nature means something that is a lie in alignment with the nature of God who is inherently good. That we have tested what's coming, we've tested it, and we approve it because we go, oh, yeah, that's in alignment with the nature of my Father. And acceptable literally means well-pleasing. Well-pleasing. Not just passes, like, oh, it's kind of funky, it's kind of deformed, it's kind of broken, but it's good enough. No. No, what is in alignment with the nature of God that actually brings him pleasure? How many people know that truth misapplied is a perversion? That you could take something that's true and use it wrong and it's not bringing him pleasure. We, how many times have we seen people take verses out of context and use them for their own purposes and 
something that has truth to it, but it's misapplied. That doesn't bring pleasure to the Father. <clears throat> Good, acceptable, <clears throat> and perfect. Perfect means, means to bring to full completion. Something that is fully developed, fully grown, until it, it reaches its completion, and the implication is by reaching its completion, it's made perfect. It's, it's a process. So discernment gives us the ability to test what comes our way and to only approve that which lines up with the nature of the Father that is inherently good and to accept what is fully pleasing to Him and then to watch that be nurtured to its full completion. Thank you, Jesus. Can we read that again? Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may test and approve what is inherently good and well-pleasing and fully formed to perfect completion. Will of God. Thank you, Jesus. God is calling his church to rise up to be the head and not the tail. Does anyone believe that's true? That God has called us friends and not servants. That we are that we are going after the presence of God here. If you were here tonight in worship, that's probably apparent. We want Jesus. Listen, we want the Mount of Transfigurations. We want whatever, whatever that is for God today, whatever God wants to do, we want him to feel comfortable walking in the room, pulling open the veil between heaven and earth and just stepping in, but not as a visit, as a habitation. We want God. We want God. We want God. We want God. We want God to come. We want God to remain. We want God to camp. We want God to inhabit. We want God to radiate. We want people, when they drive by, they get baptized in the Holy Spirit driving down the road. Listen, it's, it's happened a time and time again throughout history. Mariah Woodworth Edder, she would be doing meetings and people up to 100 miles away would get baptized in the Holy Spirit while she's preaching. People at Azusa Street, I talked about it last week, they'd get off on the train station. People who have no idea about the revival, just passengers on the train, they would get out on the platform two miles from the revival and they'd fall out in the Spirit. Slaying the Spirit, they'd get up born again speaking in tongues. The, the fire department would get called because there was flames, reports of flames coming off the building. That, that like Peter, that we are his bride and sometimes we put our foot in our mouth. <laughs> but that's okay because God actually answered the question of his heart, not the response of his mouth. If we, if we want God to rest and remain, we got to get good at not just hearing but listening. Not waiting in busyness, 
but even being busy in stillness. Having hearts that hear. Can you stand up with me tonight? We're going to pray. Can I have the team come back up? And ministry team, you want to go ahead and make your way up to the front. Thank you, Jesus. Anyone hungry to get the word of God deep in you? Thank you for the four people that are hungry. You know what? It's worth it. <laughs> Anyone hungry to get the word of God deep in you? <laughs> Come on. Thank you, Jesus. The Holy Spirit is moving in our midst. Amen. And the Holy Spirit is going to continue to move in our midst. The Holy Spirit is like a locomotive barreling down the tracks, but the tracks are the Word of God. And we have to have our barreling locomotive anchored to the tracks. Listen, anchored to the tracks, not just skating on the tracks, because you can be going down the tracks and think you're anchored until the tracks start going one way and you're still going another way. Come on. The body of Christ needs discernment in this hour like never before. And I believe that right now as we pray that even God's going to begin to cut off some cloudiness and confusion. That by grace he's going to release his hand. And listen, it's an invitation. This, this one isn't, a, isn't a, uh, a dunamis power touch fall down and you got discernment. No, this is an invitation for you to dive in more deeply into his word. Just get in there. Like, I don't know where to start. Listen, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's, it's not. Systematic study is powerful and beautiful. But just get in there. Just get in the fruit. Just start getting it on you. You won't even know what you're learning until you encounter something that contradicts it. Can I say that again? Sometimes you won't even understand what you're learning. Sometimes you will, like, oh, I get this, but God will be imparting things into your spirit. You won't understand it all. You won't even know how much is getting in there until you come against counterfeit. And you're like, whoa, that that's doesn't feel right. Something's off here. That post that just popped up on social media, oh, it's got truth in there, but something's not right. I can feel it that doesn't exude the fruit of the Spirit of my God. Something's off there. Oop, flush that one. Whew, that just felt good to say. <laughs> Don't worry about where, just get started. <laughs> Go deeper. Let the tracks be laid out before you. Just put your hand on your heart. We're going to pray. And then we got a prayer team up here. Listen, if you want an increase in discernment, if you specifically feel like God is speaking to you, they're up here. But also if you need breakthrough in any other area of your life, physical, emotional, relational, they're up here to pray for you. So we can get maybe some more of our team too. But I'm going to pray for you. Father, I thank you for the body of Christ in this hour. Father, I thank you, Father, for the 
the Christians again in Afghanistan. Father, I thank you for those who can rise up, God, with Christ. And when they pray, Father, the Lion of Judah roars and dust storms are released that, bl- that bind the Taliban. Father, that let those get away into safety who know you and love you and need your protection. Father, you're calling the body of Christ to operate at this level. Can I say that again? God's calling the body of Christ to operate at this level. Come on. It's time that we learn how to calm the storms. I know I said I was done, but listen, one time we were in Mexico City, uh, no, we were in Tijuana, Mexico, preaching the gospel, and the last day of this, of our missions trip, we had an outdoor uh, event planned, and we set up the stage with speakers, and the weather did not look good, and sure enough, as soon as we started pulling out the, the speakers, it starts pouring rain, and we got tarps over everything, and and we're like, we don't know if we can go on. Like, it's pouring rain, electric guitars and speakers and amps and stuff. And, like, and, and of course, the crowd's not coming because of the pouring rain. And, like, look, we'll, preach in the, we'll preach in the rain, no problem, but we need people to preach to. And my friend, his name is Bobby Brown, the Spirit of God came on. We were all praying in a circle. We're like, God, come. We were rising up. We weren't accepting the storm. We're like, God, you have a solution. And the Spirit of God came on Bobby, and he got up on the stage, and he grabbed the microphone, and he said, listen, you're going to see the power of God move right now. And he looked up at the sky, and he rebuked the storm in Jesus' name. And you watched a hole pop open in the clouds over us, and it grew, it grew, it grew to a circle in the storm. The storm didn't disappear. A circle about about a quarter mile around that only enveloped our stage and the people around. Clear sky, sun shining through, raining 360 degrees all around. And it lasted like that for four or five hours while we had our outdoor revival. Which witch doctors got born again? Drug addicts got saved. Prostitutes got saved. Miracles happened. Five hours of this. It's raining, still raining, everywhere but in our circle. Listen, that drew a bigger crowd than anything we were preaching. Did you hear what I said? People came, people came to our revival to get out of the rain. Then they got born again. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Was I praying? I think I was praying. Hands back in your heart. Father, I thank you. I thank you for the depth of the word, Father, that changes everything. God, give your body discernment in this hour like never before in Jesus' name. We release clarity. We speak to fogginess over minds that have been plaguing some people in this room, and we break it off right now. We speak to that storm, and we say, be silent no more in the name and by the blood of Jesus. And Father, we release a depth of discernment by your word and through your word in Jesus' name. And everyone who's hungry for that said amen. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. 
For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX.com.